Welcome to the Beyond Rich Podcast, where we talk about all of those turning point moments that changed everything and the mindset it took to get there. Hello, welcome back to the Beyond Rich Podcast. I am Natalie Lemus Hernandez, your host, and I'm here with my amazing friend, Chelsea Huff. Chelsea is a multi seven figure business owner of a million businesses, but just to name a few, Urban City Property Management, Boise Guru Real Estate. She's amazing, married, mother of two super cute girls. And we get into all of the juiciest topics, literally, because Chelsea is also a daredevil like me. And uh, <laughs> we talk about it all, submission, the the most triggerous, triggery word that has ever been said out of a female's mouth. Um I almost said feminism. Well, we did talk about that too. Feminism, submission, entrepreneurship, addiction to achievement, kids. I mean, what didn't we cover? This episode is amazing. You will enjoy it. And feel free to review, like, subscribe, and share on all social media platforms. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. So Nick and I were talking this morning. One of the girls recently said to me, you're always working. Like even when you're with us, like you're always working. And I had coffee with a girlfriend that I haven't seen in a long time and several years ago like you know how your body just like stores sound bites or bits of information I had coffee with a girlfriend and I reflected back to her I said once upon a time probably six or seven years ago you said to me oh my gosh one of my kids said to me in a way that made me really concerned like mom if you were to die what would happen to your phone like it was like this entity that they were concerned about like who's going to take care of this phone when you're gone And that sent her on a little bit of a journey of like figuring out what's actually really important in my life. And so she made some radical changes. And so I had coffee with her within the last 30 days. And I reminded her of that. And her life is so different now. And she's so connected to her kids. And it like is super cool. So when one of my girls said that, I was like, okay, noted. Like there's something here. So I've been having this conversation with them about being more available to them and in true daredevil fashion. So Nick and I fast forward are having this conversation this morning and he has said, I know you're working on being more available and I would like to know like what gets in the way of that because it's also like a self-care thing for me. Like I'm a really on again, off again yogi and have been forever. And I know that when I practice, my life is better. And so then I don't practice. So we were talking about that this morning and it's totally that fear. I'm like, well, if I focus too much over here, like then my business will die. And I was like, oh, hmm, okay. I'm gonna have to work on that. So yeah, yeah. that is totally my like Nancy Lemus Achilles heel. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, we love you. Yeah, I know it's a duality. Like if I do this, then I can't do that. And it's totally something in the mind. That's what I, Nick and I were talking. And it's like, it's not a scheduling thing for me. It's not a commitment thing for me. It's a way of thinking. And that's the only, like for me, that's the only thing that needs to change is just how I think about where I spend (laughs) my time. For me, thinking is the only thing that needs to change. Like, so, so nonchalant. Laissez-faire. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that you identify it is that, I mean, most people can't even get to that step. True. Yeah, like it has nothing to do with anything other than the way I'm thinking about my business versus my role as, you know, a wife and a mother. And yeah, that's how we got here is this whole role thing. Roles. That's how we ended up on this podcast. Uh Uh-huh. 
So when Porter said, what did she say? Mommy, you're always working. Mm -hmm. Even when you're with us, you're just still kind of working. Of my two, she's really still waters run deep. Like she's pretty tapped in. And I don't even think that she meant physically I see you on your phone or whatever. Just my brain is 98% of the time working, even when I'm like trying to like be with them and connect with them. So she is not wrong. Oh my gosh. Did I tell you about that movie, The Deepest Breath? Yes, but I haven't seen it. When did I tell you about that? Like two days ago. Oh, okay. Just in recent. So I haven't gone into to tell you about my addiction to achievement and all of that and what I, the I, journey I've been on. I know that to be true of you because I know it to be true of me. Okay. So my kid didn't have any, like say anything to me like that. I literally can't tell you when I had the blinders removed. Like it wasn't like a day I could say like all of a sudden I just saw things differently, but it was like that. And it happened sometime between, let's see, September. No, it happened around July, August. I think we talked shortly after oh, because he yeah. was feeling the stresses of having to like be the CEO of his life. Oh, yeah. When Tino said, yes. I'm, I'm just like a governor. Yes. Yes. He said, Mommy, I'm a governor and I just have to make all these decisions. And was it a governor or a general? I don't remember, but something. It was either a governor or a general. I'll start with a G. And I just remember thinking, that's exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so there, that was it. That was my version of, mommy, you're always working. And that was shocking. And then I saw that. I was led, literally led to watch that movie, The Deepest Breath. I wa watched a movie, a documentary on Amish people. And all like in this same little bit. So watching that movie, The Deepest Breath, it's a documentary. If you haven't seen it, listener, you need to see it. Well, only if you want to be shook to your core. Because the question that that movie asks without asking it is how far will you go to reach your goal? And at what cost? Ugh. Yeah. And so she's a free diver and she becomes a world record holder. And she's a she in a male-dominated field, mm -hmm. which I resonate with deeply. And she's not competing against anyone else because she becomes the world record holder. And you would think, well, that's... That's it. That's You've it. Arrived. Mm -mm. But no. Nope. So she had to go deeper. So she dove, well, let's say 100 feet. And she's like, okay, well, that's awesome. But that high only lasted so long. And so then she had to dive again deeper. Right. And, you know, they dive with no oxygen. Mm -hmm. So this movie is her journey. And it's a real story. And she's alive. And, like, you could look her up on Instagram. Like, it's crazy. And I'm, like, watching this. Ugo fell asleep. Bless his heart. And I'm watching this. And I'm like, this is me. This is me. You and I have connected on uh, setting a big goal and achieving it and feeling a sense of, like, despair afterwards. And that is what that is. Because then you have to set the next goal because that's how you feel alive. Yeah. Alive. That's your identity. That's your purpose. That's the reason that you're, that you even have breath in your lungs is to, I once said to my EO forum, I said, why am I doing all this? And then I'm like, well, it's my identity. Players got to play. Like I'm a player. So I have to play the game. I literally have written in the very front of my journal where I keep all of my really important things. I will always want to play the game. So when I get tired, I look at that and I think, okay, it's just that I'm worn out. And so I need to figure out how to do things that are nourishing to me. Or I project this vision of myself in the future. And I'm like, okay, I imagine myself like 
I don't know, quote unquote, retired and like barefoot and just raising babies and like making sourdough or whatever. And then I'm like, the minute that I have not very much going on, I'm going to want to turn my sourdough into a business or I'm going to want to like, it just, it, it will happen to me and I will end up right here again. So I better how, I better figure out how to pause, refill myself and then go again, but with more intention rather than just going for the sake of going. It's a work in progress. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so, yeah, it, it, it is literally like a meth addiction. Like it's at that level and that's where I just have realized like it is, I mean, not that I've ever been addicted to meth, but it's a feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching this movie and then there's consequences. I don't want to give them a whole movie away, but she doesn't die, but something else happens. But every, like a couple of times she comes up and she passes out, right? From lack of oxygen. And it's like, even with those warning signs, she keeps going and I'm not judging. This is not about judging her. Like this is about, I saw myself in that movie and I was shook. I was shook because it was a, like a physical representation of the thing that I was dealing with that I didn't know that I was dealing with at that level. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that even makes sense, but you know, and then everyone around me is like reflecting to me these little cues like Tino saying, I feel like a general, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Ugo saying to me, like, he, he wants, we got in a huge fight, like during this time, like right before kind of this climax of me realizing how addicted I was. He said something like, I feel like you are disengaged when you're with us. Ugh. And I go through the checklist and I'm like, but I'm not on my phone, right? but I'm not this, but I'm not that. And I got super defensive and I was like, I do this and I do that. <laughs> and I like, I went down like my list. Have you ever gone down your list? Here's my mental accounting of why this is okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get home by five. Like I don't go on business trips. Like I'm just being real. I was comparing myself to other people. I'm like, they go on more trips than me and I am amazing. And that was all ego and that was all pride. And that was him wanting to take my meth away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're not going to take my drugs, you know, but I didn't recognize until they say, what's the first step in addiction recovery? Isn't it like admit you're an addict or something? Yeah. Like admit, admit you you're powerless. It, I think they say admit you're powerless over this addiction. I literally think that that is the first step. Could be. Because until you admit that you're powerless under it, like then you're always going to, well, for me at least, I would always justify Mm-hmm. Well, not that bad. Or... or you hear things that are not said. Like in this conversation that I was having with Nick this morning, when he was trying to take my meth away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I literally am like, I know that you think, or like we have these conversations about like, what kind of change could we make in our lives where if I wanted to be more available, like I'm just troubleshooting, right? I'm like, okay, how can I be more oh emotionally my available? Gosh. And this I is had to tell literally him, I, like I'm talking to myself. Okay, tell I me know. more. So I, I looked at him and I said, when you say that, this is horrible. I'm like mortified that this is going to come out of my mouth. I said, when you say that, I hear you telling me that you want me to be poor and I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good you're like don't you realize that my addiction to meth makes yes. us have money like yes. it's not a bad thing i know i know like it's like, just prosperity nick dude. at he's what like, cost yeah I know. I know that you hear that but that is not what i'm saying i'm not saying make any less money than we make i'm saying how can you take care of yourself and be more available in the places that are actually important to you i'm like hmm let me think about that i don't know so would you, is that how it ended? I mean, the iterations are plentiful, but that like, 
it's those kinds of conversations. And that was today? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah, gosh. literally this morning. That's so good. I mean, okay, so number one on the yes. addiction recovery 12-step program <laughs> is admit that you are powerless over and it says alcohol, but in this case, we're going to say overachievement mm-hmm. and that our lives, your life, our lives have become unmanageable. Whoa. Yeah. Whoops. I know. And number two is come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, I'm going to go through the whole thing <laughs> because it's so good. Make a decision to turn your will and lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Number four, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I'm just going to sit here and nod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number five, admit to God ourselves and other human beings the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, be entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Number seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, Make a list of all the persons we harmed and become willing to make amends with all of them. Make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continue to take a personal inventory when we were wrong and promptly admit it. Number 11, seeking through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I don't think I've ever heard those, like I'm aware of them. Like I think in society we're all aware of them. I feel like that is mind blowing in a way that. (laughs) Yeah. Where's the achievers AA? I'm in. I literally, I'm in too. So each step has a name. I want to read the names out. The first step is honesty, then hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, brotherly love, justice, perseverance, spirituality, and service. Yeah. It's so deep. And it's like, I feel like the achievement addiction has become the new alcoholism. Do you know alcohol sales are actually like down? Yeah. Yeah. Sober curious is a thing. It's a big thing. It's because we've just found a new thing. Mm-hmm. And it oh, like man. makes us money and it makes us look good on Instagram and it gives us Well, and it keeps us all status. attached to Instagram in a way that is so unhealthy. Like it's like achievement addiction and addiction to other people's achievement via like voyeurism online. I, well, I unfollowed all of that. I call it success porn. I've heard you say that before. And I, every once in a while in my life, I dip into that. I'm like, mm, this person's information is no longer good for me because I can't separate the distance between me and them. And it's negatively impacting me. Yeah. Like I got to be all done. Yeah. But then I, I go back and I, some people I have been able to go back to and be like, oh, okay. Like I'm fine now. And I do appreciate some of their information, but it's a visceral, like I have to check in with my body first. I know. Yeah, I think that the achievement addiction is, it's so real and it's destroying people and it's destroying families and it's destroying marriages Mm -hmm. and it's so subtle and it's so accepted. That's the thing I realized about achievement addiction was that it's not like alcohol addiction. Like if someone is like drunk, drunk driving or making a fool of themselves, hurting other people, we all know like, that's bad. Like that person needs help, you know, 
but it's not like that with achievement. Mm-mm. Well, because you're checking all the boxes, right? Like society has all these boxes that everybody's supposed to check and you're checking all of them in a really accomplished way. So it's not perceived as like nobody's looking at the inside, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody sees that the collateral damage is your family, your relationships, your true connection because you're presenting in a way that society is like, yep, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Good for you. Gold star. And then absolutely. And then it becomes, well, I had this. So when I, wow, I actually feel like I kind of went through these steps to be honest, like in my own little, I cried for like a month straight after I watched that movie. I, I couldn't go to work. Like I literally could, I needed, I called my phone. Did we ever talk during this time period of my life? I don't know. I, I so. called my phone a bong. <laughs> I was like, Ugo, take my bong away. <laughs> and if for anyone doesn't know what a bong is, it's something you put marijuana in and you smoke it. That's just from my past life. I've known about bongs. But yeah, yeah, I was like, you got to take my bong away. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't be around it. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't go to work for a little bit. I couldn't, yeah, I just, I cried and cried. I, I felt like ashamed, but also like just grieved is really the word, like grieved of how out of control it had become. Well, and you're also crafting a new identity yeah. in that space, right? You need time to be silent. You need time away from said addiction to be able to figure out who am I without this? Because okay. this has been so... That is exactly the question mm-hmm. that brought me to my knees. And that's why I, I want to, I told you at lunch, I'm like, I, I just feel like led to write this book, or make this workbook called Who I Am, Who Am I? Who Am I? So good. Workbook. It's so good. Who Am I? Workbook. <laughs> I'm, as an achiever. I'm like, it's every <laughs> achiever's dream. All I need is a workbook to tell me who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I, we had a really scary experience, Ugo and I. <laughs> and during this time, like, cause my marriage had really suffered you know, and due to this achievement addiction and it was very dark and we sought out help, personal growth and development outside of like looking back and like, why didn't I just pray? But I was lacking faith. Mm -hmm. I was just lacking faith. I couldn't, the darkness and the like inability to see a path forward. I, I, I thought my marriage was over. Like, in the way that I had known it, like mm-hmm. true, like love. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, why is he being like, I blamed him for everything. Of course. Cause that's what people do. Totally. It's not your fault ever. Well, <laughs> and enter in someone who is peddling solutions as a human. And it's like, okay, I'm at this point of desperation and this sounds good. And this sounds like you've got it all figured out. Give me your workbook. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I saw out a guru outside of myself and outside of God. And I drug Ugo in with me deep and um, anyways, by the grace of God, I can't go into it in the episode. So sorry. Sorry for the teaser of the movie, but it's just too deep. It'll um, be in the book. It's, it'll be in the book. Anyways, it ended up being that this person was like, would you just like, I would say an abusive person. Yeah. Not good for you. Not good for marriage. Not good, not good for, for anyone. Yeah, not good for anyone. So anyways, by the grace of God, we got out of it. And, and that was during the time when I just feel like, you know, God was really leading me. I watched that movie. I cried. And then taking this inventory of like how my addiction had really impact negatively, obviously impacted myself, my family, these things. And then I went through exactly what you said. Like now what? Like, do I sell the business? Like what, what is this? And so I went through this whole thing of like, God, who am I? Mm -hmm. God, who am I? 
Like if I am not like and see how identified I am was to the addiction. Like if I'm not achieving, then who am I? Mm -hmm. Who can I be if I'm not playing the game? Mm -hmm. If I'm on the bench, am I still me? Who am I on the bench? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'm only identified if I'm playing the game. For me, it's been a way of allowing myself to be okay in the moment when I am completely depleted and exhausted, knowing that I don't have to sell the business. I don't have to burn it all down because that's the other, that's the option for me. Like I have these conversations inside of my household and it's like, what if we just like proverbial sell everything and go live on the beach, right? Yeah, yeah. And that sounds great. But then in the conversation, I'm like, the minute that I'm on the beach and somebody walks by and I don't like their little cart or I think I could do it better, <laughs> I'm going to own a cart on the beach and then we could have employees again. Like I'm going to do this again. You're going to do it again. So yeah. how, can I, how can I be me, be true to me, be true to the things that are actually important, which is right where you're at, right? Like you're not selling the business. You're not no. going anywhere. You're figuring out how to manage your, you're figuring out how to manage. No. What is it? Your life has become unmanageable. So now you're figuring out how to manage it in a way where your priorities are well, I think, no, I, I, I think what I'm not sure. Step? This, there was a no, step. No, the final step is having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps and serving, practicing mm. these principles in all of our affairs and seeking through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. That's where I'm at. So let me tell you this. I wrote this down yesterday. This is actually really ironic that this is coming up in this exact way because I had an aha, a big one yesterday and I'm so excited to like I actually you you, I forgot that I had the aha literally (laughs) until right now so I'm just so grateful okay so let's see where this is I wrote this down are you ready Mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna read it as is I feel vulnerable go go okay the reason so many people are unfulfilled even when they achieve their goals is because all of their achievement points to themselves We are created for worship and fellowship with our creator. If our work does not point to something outside of ourselves, a higher ideal, God, then it is all meaningless and it will never fulfill us. Wow. That just came out yesterday afternoon because, and that, I think that's where I've landed because then literally like last, well, I was on Wednesday night. I'm like just in my flow and I'm just, we're at church and I'm worshiping and I'm just not, I'm not thinking. I'm just worshiping and I'm just like, God, you're good. And I'm just like not in myself. Fully connected. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in myself. I'm not thinking about my problems and my prayer list and my issues. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just giving gratitude to God for mercy, for grace, for joy, for peace. And all of a sudden I start getting these like, impressions I'd say and I start writing them down and some of them they're related to this this came before that thing I just shared and it's about our gifts and I wrote this down and it was like we have to be using our gifts so okay what I'm trying to say here is this is that like you and I we are gifted in in visionaries like we can see things that other people can't like you said like immediately you have like how many business ideas could you give me like right now a lot Hundreds probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a gift, right? Like you're an ideas person. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you also have faith. Entrepreneurs have given an extra dose of faith Mm -hmm. because how can you go out? You have to. Like you you have have to. to. Yeah. You have to. Faith. Like 
you're making the unseen scene. Yeah. What does God do? He makes the unseen scene. Okay. Anyways, and because we're created in God's image and likeness. And when do we feel most alive and fulfilled? When you're fully connected. Yeah. And when you're doing your gifts. Mm -hmm. But if our gifts just reflect back to us, that's when it becomes like emptiness. When the gifts reflect back to God and they're glorifying and, and everything just becomes like in and through and up, in and through and up. It's well, and not, you know that you are a tool yes. being utilized to the highest, uh, I don't even know the right word to use, but like you are a, I use the analogy of a radio station, like you are tuned in to the station to be able to get the download and broadcast effectively, right? Y- like yeah. that is your job. Yeah. And, and then and there's meaning, there's meaning and value when using the gift has a result that glorifies our creator. But where I was is I, w- I was like kind of in between both worlds. I'm like, okay, well, is it glorifying me? Is it glorifying the creator? What am I doing? Like, I do I need to use the gifts? Because I feel like when I got to that point, it was like the deepest breath movie, you know, I mean, you can go on her Instagram and because she's been diving for so long, she's had to have a massive surgery on her back because her back is like totally like messed up and she's like 30 years old. But did she quit? No. No, no, because her identity is all in that, you know? But who is she if she's not diving? Who is she if she's not pushing, ugh, like pushing the envelope? Yeah. Damn it. I know. That's the thing. I feel like achievement, this is where you and I are probably a little bit different the achievement part, I mean, it is achievement, but for me, it's like, where else can I push the edges of myself? Where else can I? Oh, okay. So for me, <laughs> yeah, it used to be in business because I was always like, oh yeah, like this is awesome. I love beating the boys. That was like my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can just beat boys like that just all day long. It just like gives me <laughs> such a high. Like, like uh, I'm just like, yeah, I want to be good, but like, no, I, I want to be like better than the boys, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, and I was, I was programmed like that, Nancy. Thank you very much, mother. Uh, but that, I was that was deep into my programming and like, yeah, like pushing the envelopes and like da da da. And business is like a great avenue for that. But for me, now it's become like in God. Like, l- like I'm telling you, okay, how many people have the boldness to like lay hands on someone and be like, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name right now? That is rad. That is, I, and I have watched this transition in you. And I feel like you are now using, like, you as a tool have been sharpened very well over time. And now I feel like you're utilizing all of the things that you have created in a different way. So (laughs) yes, here, here's the thing. Okay. So I, I know about this guy named Paul in the Bible and he was, um, Saul. Did I tell you this already? No. Okay. So this is so good. So Saul, right. His name was Saul. And then God appeared to him and said, you have a new name and it's Paul. He gave him a new name. What? Yeah. Okay. He's like a main character. Yeah, he is. He is the main character. <laughs> yes. He wrote like two thirds of the New Testament or something. Anyways. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh, that's that's a lot. It's a lot. He wrote like Galatians and I don't and know. And his name wasn't even Paul to begin with. No. Okay. Saul. Now so he was like this like prideful guy and he was murdering Christians. Passionate, prideful, fearless, courageous. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to kill people, right? Yeah. Well, God appears to him, he gets knocked down and he's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and then he's like, from now on, you have a new name. He was blinded for a few days and God restored his sight, this whole thing. And then he had the charge to go to Europe and he spread the news of Jesus to the Europeans. 
that was like his thing. So he like went to all these churches and stuff. Okay. But if you read Paul's writings, he's the same passionate, courageous, bold, unapologetic. This is, I love learning these things from you because every, as a fellow daredevil rebellious, like everything my entire life, I love hearing these stories because I'm like, they're just a bunch of rebels trying to do good because things were bad. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But like people think, people think so many things and they don't actually try for themselves. And that just really bothers me because <laughs> I'm a really passionate person. Um, but anyways, people think that if you, let's just say, decide to follow Jesus, then you're going to become this like super pious, like not interacting with other people, too good for anyone, set apart like little church mouse. That's not the case. I mean, if you were like that before, then yeah, you're going to be like that. But our personality is like how we were, our strengths are still going to be our strengths, but it's channeled in a new direction. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's just like that whole thing, the achievement addiction, like I'm like, okay, yeah, I do have drive. I have passion, but if it's only about me and building up myself, it's futile, it's empty. It leaves other people around me feeling hungover from my addiction. Mm -hmm. The only one that benefits in the achievement addiction, I think is the achiever. Actually, I just have that massive aha right now. The only one that benefits in the relationship is the one that is the achiever. Yes. In the achievement addiction, the only person benefiting from the addiction is the achiever. I mean, there's French benefits. Like, I mean, yeah, but in all other addiction, the only one that benefits or the, if you spin it on its head, the only one that is truly tortured and making the choice to consciously be tortured is the addict. The addict. I know. Okay. And then this is what I want to talk about too. So like, let's talk about how people who are in the addiction, because it's okay. We're not saying, I mean, I think having a business is wonderful. It's a blessing. It's just people get it. The addiction. I mean, people that are addicts, they're listening. They're going to be like, they're going to just, they're going to know. Yeah. So anyways, talk to me about when we were talking on the phone the other day and then you were like, (laughs) yeah, like my spouse just isn't, I mean, you weren't talking about your spouse, but you know, how people say like, my spouse isn't just, they're just not as ambitious as me. I can't, you, this is one of the things where I think you and I go really deep, really quickly is I have a very difficult time having close friends who don't have tremendous relationships and it's difficult for me to discern, am I just receiving like a barrage of complaining or is this actually a problem? Because I like to fix problems. And so when I have friends that seemingly have troubled relationships, it's really difficult for me to be in deep friendship with them because I'm like, let's fix this. This is, this this is important. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like that's one of the things that I appreciate about our relationship so much is I feel like you and I feel very similarly about the importance of our marriage, about the people that we have chosen to marry, I was thinking, I was writing about this morning about the wild horse analogy. Oh no, I know, right? <laughs> and I, one of the things that I think that's so valid about that is it's not that they are, I mean, they are tremendous humans, don't get me wrong. And it's not that they are such great cowboys. It's that we trust them implicitly that we are willing to give them our surrender. Oh yeah. Like the thing that I said to you the other night was that like my... It's such a triggering word, but I'm going to use it instead of 
trying to find some other word. Yeah. My be submission. Triggered. Be triggered. <laughs> but be like triggered. my submission. You're listening to two seven-figure <laughs> female business owner daredevils according to the culture index. And we're just going to use the word submission. submission. Just be prepared. Oh my God. Be prepared. I love this. But literally, my submission is the key to my ultimate freedom. Yeah. Amen. And it's so triggering for, and because I don't mean it. Is it triggering for you to even say it? Like you, right now, my heart is pounding. I'm like, oh my God, other humans in the world. Like you're the only, you and my husband are the only humans in the world that have ever heard me say that. So (laughs) as the words come out of your mouth, I I can see your face being like, I can't believe I'm even saying this out loud. I know. I'm like secretly mad at you just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) People need to hear this. This is the facts. This is is facts. Because you have a great marriage. I do. I have like one of the best marriages I think ever and it's my number one priority and my husband is an incredible human and it doesn't mean that I'm less than he is. I think that's the confusing thing is we are still equal. We are still like partners in making decisions. Like it doesn't mean anything other than he is the one human in the world that I am willing to allow to lead me, which if you ask my parents or anyone who has known me my entire life, not common ever. I know. Okay. So I, I, and I feel the exact same way about Ugo. Like I, it's, I always tell him, I'm like, you know, you are the only person on planet <laughs> earth that I trust. Yeah. Why well, I'm a freak like that. Okay. But same. When, when did that happen? Cause for me, it wasn't immediate. Oh man. Like I did you consciously like- make a switch or was it subtle? Like I, I need to know. So I, this is so funny. I don't know if I've shared this with anybody else either. When I was, oh gosh, really early, early adulthood, I was living in Oregon. I was in college and I was going through a breakup and I was, um, I just, I made a list of the things that I had to have. I was like deep into being really connected and I was very, from a very like spiritual connected place, made this list. And then when I met my husband, he like ticks all the things on my list. So I feel like I drew him to me, but I didn't have that relationship with him. Like I tried to break up with him often in the beginning. So did I. Because he made me try to deal with my shit. Really? really? Like he made me try to, like he made me communicate with him. He like, cause I just wanted to run off and like do other things. So I was like, oof, this has gotten hard. I'm out of here. Or, you know, whatever. Like this is not going my way. I'm out of here. And he like towed the line for me to have to mature in my ability to communicate. And yeah, it was painful. But then I feel like it was probably after we had kids. Like we, I don't know, our whole relationship is like so much deeper than it was before we had kids. Mm, Like talk about like, you just get cracked open and you get humbled in a new way. And now we talk about it, we're like, man, we wasted so much time not being connected in this way before we had kids. But I just, I don't know, I don't know if it's maturity or I don't know what, but. Wow. Yeah. So sometime in the last eight years. (laughs) Wow. When did you come up with that phrase? The submission is the key to my freedom. Sometime in the last eight years. You don't remember? You can't give me that broad of a timeline. Well, in thinking about what I mean by it, like it is the greatest gift that I have to give. It's the only thing we can give, right? Yes. And my husband understands that fully like he does not take it for granted like he knows me and sees me in the world and it like he yeah I don't know but his leadership is a gift to me and so it's I know 
It's so good. But it's a gift. It's a gift in both directions. Like the fact that I allow him to lead, that is his calling. Like he is. Okay. And so who would you say is more ambitious? Me. It's all my fault. (laughs) Okay. So see what I'm saying? Okay. People, everyone listening right now, like take a note. So Chelsea runs a couple very, very, very successful businesses. We're talking millions of dollars and she's not judging her husband and being like, oh, he's less ambitious. Why can't he just like the same things as me? Why can't this? Why can't that? And even like she's not doing that. She said, I submit under his leadership. Like what? This is so triggering. Like people Mm -hmm. hate this because they don't understand it. And because people don't talk about this because most people's marriages are, are not good. I know it just, I, I, I know that that is true based on our divorce rates. Like I know that that is true. And that based is on just my conversations. Mind. I know that's true. Yeah. Even, you well, know, and it's mine. Like it, it, it is based on my perspective of the world and the relationship that I have in the marriage that I have. It is, it, it's heartbreaking to me, but it's mind blowing to me. Like, yeah, I don't know. Cause you're like, you, so it sad. could be so good. Yeah. It could be so good. Okay. So if someone was in front of you and they were saying like, but like, my husband is just not ambitious and he's just, you know, I have all these goals and all these plans and like, he just holds me back. Mm. He just holds me back. I hate that. That's a like, what are you going to say to them? I feel like that's like, you are the only person who has the ability to do that, to hold you back. Number one. But he's saying no to all my ideas. I'm like, trigger, trigger, trigger. How is it that he got the position to be able to say no? Like that is not a marriage, right? Like, or you're not doing a good enough job of like selling your ideas. Or stewarding the ones that you had already wanted to do. Like we don't get to do everything that I want to do. If we did, we would be poor. Amen. We would be broke and bankrupt. And my husband is the breaks often. And then things change or things come around. I'm like, oh, thank God that we didn't do this. Yeah. Often. Like, he has multiple businesses and it's my fault because I'm like, Ooh, let's do this. Ooh. And like, it, it's all like turned out great, but it could have not yeah, very easily, but he is very discerning. He's more discerning than I am. So is my husband. So I think that discernment is a gift. It is a gift. It's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Did you know I heard the definition of wisdom? It was actually a note in my Bible. Like there was like little like commentary notes at the bottom. This is so good. It says wisdom is the mind of God. Mm. like it's how God would think mm-hmm. wise I was like whoa I just loved it yeah I'm like what a gift yeah I don't have I mean I don't want to confess that I'm not wise I think I am I will say I lack a lot of wisdom no I think we are wise but I make up for it in speed no I that's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say I was gonna say I think that we are wise but we accidentally no not even accidentally <laughs> we pull the trigger way too quick yes we pull and then we look where it landed and then we analyze why it was either good or bad maybe or we just go find another target like sometimes yeah that's true give a 50 50 chance if we analyze yeah so i would say to you if the you next were day we those- forgot it, we forget it it even happened yes that's the thing like i don't care yeah i don't care enough yeah it just it doesn't matter we're moving we're moving on we're moving on yeah but we're married to people that yeah Thank God there are like our historians. They are, yeah, they're the breaks and that's a blessing and people need to honor that. And that's what really, it triggers me. Like when we were at lunch (laughs) and you asked me that question and I was like, I got like violent. I'm so sorry. That's okay. 
<laughs> got violent. Because <laughs> I'm like, if we would just stop judging the other person mm-hmm. and start to recognize that our spouses are a gift to us. Yes. And Nick and you couldn't be more opposite. 100%. And Ugo and I definitely couldn't be more opposite. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so good. Yeah. Any last final thoughts? Oh my gosh. Bring your notebook out. <laughs> Did we cover it all? Oh my gosh. I feel like I feel just- like that was the the like submission and freedom thing was the thing that really got us going on this conversation where like literally I said that and you were like, podcast immediately. You must come. I know because I love things that are triggering because I love to push the envelope. And Thank I just you. think that this is something, first of all, no one says that let alone a seven-figure female CEO, like nobody says that. They all think, and I've seen it time and time and time again, where females, successful females get divorced. The successful, the breadwinning females have a higher divorce rate than couples where the man makes more money. I've heard that. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Why do you think that is? That's so interesting. Well, yeah, because there's mismatch in communicate like that t- because the society is not okay with that for the most part. Like it's very difficult. I think it has to do more with the submission thing. I think that the female. You think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Because I the think f- it's like susceptibility to like societal inputs. Oh, no. I think it's because the female. Because Chelsea, think about it. Your dynamic with your husband is so rare. Like the fact that you let him lead and you want him to lead. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. It's and, and it's not that like I am also a like someone who would declare that I'm a card carrying feminist. Like it's not. I think you're right. You're right. It is. There's a misinterpretation of that. If the female is the breadwinner and they also lead the family. What is the man's role? Mm-hmm. What is his role? What purpose does he even have there? And that breeds a resentment. Yeah. There is no purpose. If he is not leading the family, leading the marriage, or even just having a seat at the table about that female breadwinner's business or whatever, mm-hmm. then then literally there is no partnership. There is no reason to continue the marriage. There is no romance there. There, mm-hmm. you know, it's all sucked dry. Yeah. Well, and that like, and then, and then the man, there's so much in this, like the man becomes depressed and withdrawn. I've seen it. I've heard it. Like I, I, I'm, yeah, I feel like you have done a deep dive on this more than I I have have. done a deep dive. Yeah. Because I feel like my husband and I are, um, because we both have businesses. So I feel like we both have this leadership in our lives and we both are like income generators and I haven't done the deep dive that you have done, but I now that you're saying that, I can totally see that. Yeah. And then it becomes the whole thing of like, well, why are they even depressed? I mean, they don't have to work or they don't have to make that much money. I make all the money. So like, <sighs> what reason do they have to even complain? That's so hard. Man, and the lack of connection there that is, oh, that's so bad. I just and like typically, walked you down the oh, whole path. Yes, <laughs> you did. Take me. Take me. <laughs> So yeah, that's why when you said that phrase, you know, that my submission is the heat of my freedom, I was like, I want people to hear this because mm-hmm. here, here's why. A lot of people who listen to my podcast, they're females, they're high achievers, they're business owners, they're, you know, killing their game and all of that. And I'm all for that. I just also am for 
you listener having a great marriage mm-hmm. and I'm in a sex life and joy in yes. your most important relationship. Like what relationship mm-hmm. is more important than your spouse? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing without my husband. Like would, would be like rendered incapable of doing any of the things that, and they wouldn't be important. They're not important. Like he, yeah, he's the thing that I'm the most proud of. Like our marriage is the thing that I'm the most proud of yeah. in the whole world. And it's the thing that allows me to do anything that I want to do mm-hmm. with discernment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a source of freedom mm-hmm. for you and security. It is because I get to be as wild as I want. Like we had talked about getting tattoos recently in the last like several years and like his tattoo for me would be I will keep you safe and my tattoo for him would be I will keep you wild and it's that dynamic that like it's necessary and it's necessary for me otherwise I would die like I would be bankrupt and dead (laughs) same (laughs) (laughs) I know I would still be in Atlanta. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) No, no Atlanta. No. No Atlanta for you. No, never again. Okay, awesome. You have any last thoughts? No. We covered it all? Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. This was fun.